You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're looking at Psalm chapter 139, and uh, when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand and honor the reading of the Word of God, Psalm chapter 139. And we'll look at verses 1 through 6. Psalm 139, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're still looking, say, oh me. <laughs> oh, we're all there. We're all there. Amen. All right, Psalm 139 and verse number 1. The Bible says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path. And my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the scripture reading. We're continuing our series on Sunday nights on the Psalms, and uh, I don't know how much more we'll do. I've tried to go through, and I've tried to cover all of the uh, requests, and uh, tonight, Psalm 139, and we started this way back, uh, Mrs. Askew, I think you had requested this one, and Alice Jefferson, of course, Alice requested all the Psalms, you know, what? no, no, she only did three. But we're working through this, and so if we have not yet covered your favorite psalm, if you want to uh, uh, let me know about that. Now, be careful. Don't, please, don't, please don't request one we've already done, because then I'm going I'm to get you. I'm going to get you real good on Sunday night. I'm going to say, so-and-so requested this, and I preached on it two weeks ago. No, I won't do that publicly, but if I've already done it, I'll, just, I'll send you the CD, right, or give you the link. Uh, to the podcast or something like that. But Psalm 139 is a psalm that is, was written by David. Notice the, uh, the inscription, the title. Uh, it says this was written to the chief musician. It's uh, the song leader for Israel at the time, we believe, was Asaph. And David was the king. But David was a man who had a heart for God. He had a passion for the things of God. And David was a man who wrote many of these psalms. A psalm is a song. The book of Psalms was the Jewish hymn book that they used. Just like we have the, the hymn book, songs and hymns of revival and songs of, and hymns from the heart, God's people had a hymn book. Now, the difference is their hymn book, this, was, this is inspired. These are words that God gave through the Holy Spirit through these different writers. And this particular writer was David. And David wrote this, and if, if you have ever taught a lesson, if you've ever sung a special, if you've ever preached a sermon, there are some, when you get done, you say, you know, that might be worth preaching again. Not to the same people, but maybe at a different place. If you teach a lesson, and you might think, you know, that was, that was a lesson, I think that would be helpful for maybe another class or another group of people sometime, or if you've ever sung a special and you think, I need to, I need to save this one. Uh, maybe some of you piano players, you've got some offertories that you play and you think, I need to use this again sometime. There are some sermons that I have preached 
that I have thought I wouldn't mind if this disappears from the face of the earth. I don't think it helped anybody I preached it to. I don't even think I understood what I was talking about. And so this is not one we're going to use again. When David wrote the Psalms, David wrote them, and some of them he sent to the chief musician. He sent them to the song leader, and he said, we got to use this one. We got to use this one in church. We've got to use this in worship. This is something that God gave me. This is something that has helped me. And I know that this will help others also. This is one such Psalm 139. David said, we've got to use this. I'll, I'll catch Brother Nathan from time to time. And I'll say, Brother Nathan, here's a song. We have got to do this song. And the choir will sing it or a group will sing it. And, and this is a psalm that David said, we've got to use this psalm. Notice what it says in verse number one. And I'm going to go through. I've got more tonight than I'll have time to cover, but I'll do my best. Verse one, David, who is the king, David, who has all authority, David, who uh, sits on the throne, he says, oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know, you don't give that privilege to just anyone. Now, I would hope, for those of you here tonight, that you're married, I would hope that your spouse has the access and the ability to look through anything you do, whether it be a text message or an email or your passwords for accounts. I think that is very wise in your marriage that you don't have secrets and you don't have this part of your life that your spouse is. Now, your spouse may not be interested in a whole lot, but I think your spouse ought to have that kind of access. I think there need to be some spiritual leaders in your life that you say, would you please, if you notice something in me, maybe you see I'm missing church or maybe you can tell that my heart is not right or my attitude is not right. Would you please let me know? Would you please be a friend and help me? I think it'd be good to give some people that kind of authority in your life. I know this, parents have that kind of authority in the lives of their children. At least that's the way it was when I was growing up and that's the way it is in our home. You know, in our home, I never felt like I could hide stuff from my mom and dad by closing the door and putting a sign on the outside that says, keep out. You know what that keep out sign would have meant to my dad? Absolutely nothing. You know why? Because it wasn't my house, it was his house. And I was not the boss. I was not in charge. I had the privilege to live in that home, to eat that food, to sleep on that bed, to use that water and that electricity. And it was a privilege I had not a right to live in that home. But certain people have that kind of authority. But David said, Lord, you have searched me. And that word search, it means to examine intimately. It actually has the idea or the connotation of a miner digging deep in the ground, searching for precious metals. And David said, Lord, you know me better than anyone. You have searched me. You have known me. Uh, you know what's going on in my life. By the way, God has the right to do that. He created you. He loves you. He is your father. He should be your master. He should be your Lord. He should be your king. And God has the right to search your life and to know that. Not only does God have the authority, but God also has the ability. 
Now think about this. God, one of his characteristics is that God is omniscient. That word means that God knows everything. And I think we understand that, but for those that don't, I want to make sure you know what we're talking about. God knows everything. God knows everything that's going on in the Anderton home. God knows everything going on in the Tuck home. He knows everything going on in the Daughtry home. He knows everything going on in the Coburnat home. And he knows everything going on in the Carter home. And everything in the Deberry home. And everything in the Brown home. And everything in the Holiday home. And everything in the Pearson home. God knows everything going on in every place at all times. He knows it all. But it goes a step further. He not only knows what's going on in your home. He knows what's going on in your mind. He knows your thoughts. You see, I'm coming to you tonight, and I know we won't get very far, but I'm coming to you tonight, and I'd like to remind you how great our God is. You know why many people don't serve God? Because they don't know who God is. You know why many people don't love and respect and, and worship God? Because they don't realize who God is. God is not just somebody you add and stick him on a shelf or you add him to a, a slot in your schedule. He's the creator of all. He is omniscient. Not only is he omniscient, the Bible teaches us, and we'll see in this particular psalm, God is omnipresent. That means he doesn't just know everything going on. He is everywhere at the same time. Wouldn't that be incredible? Could you imagine if you could be in just two places at one time? Imagine if you could be in three places at one time. Some of you mothers, you've figured out how to do that, and the rest of us, we're still trying to figure it out. But can you imagine God is in every place all the time? When you go home tonight, he's already there. When you go to work tomorrow, he's already there. When you go to the grocery store, he's already been there. Uh, when you go to a Walmart, believe it or not, he's even there. God is everywhere. He is omniscient. Another characteristic we'll see in this psalm is that God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. There is nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing too big for God. You and I, we reach a point in our lives where we have to say, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I cannot take that project on. I cannot take on that responsibility. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the expertise. I don't have the, the wherewithal. I cannot do it. You and I in, in life have to reach a point where we say, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> or maybe you don't know how to say no and you still try and then you just find out you can't do it. God's never had to say that. There's never been a prayer request sent to heaven that God had to send back and say, sorry, that's too big for me. He is all powerful. And David's the king. David, David's the, the highest in the land in Israel. But David says, Lord, you have the authority and you have the ability and you have the awareness that you can search me and you can know me. Let's notice verse number two. Let's, let's take a look at what God knows about you. Now, we know he knows everything, but let's look at some specifics. Verse two, David said, thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. You know what David said? 
God doesn't just know the big stuff. God knows the little stuff. He knows every time you sit down. He knows every time you stand up. Now, if we, if we were to go back through the service, just to tonight, just this service, we might have a hard time saying, now, did we stand up for that song or did we sit down for that song? Now, were we standing up when we prayed for the offer? God knows all about that every single hour of every single day. He knows when you stand up. He knows when you sit down. Verse number two, thou understandest my thought afar off. Now, now, now get this. It doesn't just say that God knows your thoughts, although he does know your thoughts. It says God understands your thoughts. Now, that's more than you can say about your own thoughts sometimes. That's more than I can say about my own thoughts sometimes. My wife and I will be talking about something. I try to go home every day for lunch just for a few minutes. And, of course, living just down the street, I can usually do that. But I'll go, and, and we'll be talking about something, and I'll have something else on my mind. And, and my wife can talk about several conversations I don't mean at the same time, but it's just like she can go from conversation to conversation and she's got it all figured out in her head. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? You're married to somebody like that, okay? I'm not the, okay, good. Now, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm still thinking about that last topic and I haven't even wrapped my brain around that one. She's already, she's moving on. You know what I'm talking about? She's got it. She can do that. But there's some times where I'll think about something and I'll think about it, and I'll think about it, and I'll pray about it, and I'll pray about it, and I'll think about it, and I still don't have a clue. You ever been there? Now, please tell me I'm not the only one. You, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you, don't even under, you, don't even, you don't even know what to pray. You don't even know what to ask for. You certainly don't know what to say. You certainly don't know what to do. You, you, you just you feel paralyzed like, I don't even understand this situation. God does. He understands your thoughts afar off. He understands your thoughts. Now, now, now get this. You got to think about this one. He understands your thoughts before you even think them. That's how great our God is that we're talking about. That, that's the one we're, we're, we sang about this morning. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And David said he knows. What does God know? Notice verse number three. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. That word compasses means to comprehend. God comprehends my path. God knows where you're going. He's got it all figured out. He knows where you're headed. He knows what you're going to face along the way. He knows your path tomorrow. He knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. He knows the phone calls you're going to get, the messages you'll get, the conversations you'll have. God knows everything that you'll go through. He knows your path. But notice this. He knows, verse number three, my lying down. Isn't that interesting? God knows when we lay down to sleep, God knows that as well. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're weary. He knows when you're worn out. He knows when you're resting. He, he knows what's going on when you're sleeping. God knows what you're doing. He is, verse number three, he's acquainted with, he's familiar with, he's aware of all of our ways. So we've already seen in these first couple verses, whether you're awake or asleep, God knows. Whether you're sitting down or you're standing up, God knows. Whether you're coming or going, 
God knows everything. Notice verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, not one, not even a single word, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You know it completely inside and out. Every word that I speak. Now that's scary because the Bible also tells us that we will give an account for every idle word. Every word that we just say, and we're not even thinking, we're going to give an account. But God knows every word we speak. So that means God's listening. That's why this week our words should be words of kindness. That means on the way home from church, our words should not be, do you see so-and-so? Do you see that backslidden jerk over there? Do you see brother so-and-so? Do you hear what they said? Did you? No, no, no. You know what our words ought to be going home? Positive, encouraging, uplifting, kind. Our words, God knows every single word entirely, completely, without exception. He knows it all together. Verse 5. Thou hast been behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Verse 5, that word behind and, and before and to put his hand on us, it's got the idea that God has hedged us in. He's enclosed us. He's protected us. Verse number 5, uh, he has beset, literally words to, uh, literally means to, uh, to, to hedge us in. God has his hand on us. Now that's good to know because God's Grip is powerful. Now, some could say that as God's got his hand on us and he's not letting us go and, and, and he's going to make us. No, 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 no. What we're talking about is we're talking about God's protection. We're talking about God watching over us and God caring for us. Chloe is four and Chloe's still, she's, she's just, she's tiny, you know, she's just petite and she's, she's a mess. She's, she's, she's our drama uh, drama queen at this moment. Now ask me tomorrow, it might be a different one. But she, she's a nut. But Chloe will, she, she can flip a switch. She can be bawling crocodile tears and two seconds later, biggest smile, happiest camper in the world. Now y'all pray for me. That's scary to think that she can do that at four. You know what I mean? But she'll come up and, and I'll, I'll hold her. And she's also, she's a little bit more fearful. She's not as daring as some of the others, but... I'll hold her and, and, and she'll try to lean backwards. And, and we'll lean backwards and the more I, I tip her backwards, the tighter she grabs on because she doesn't want to fall. But you know what's amazing is as a father, she doesn't have to hold on tighter because her safety is not dependent upon her grip. Her safety is dependent upon my grip. And hang on. You know who's taking care of you every day of your life? You know who's keeping you safe? It's not you holding on to God. It's God holding on to you. He's got you hedged in, in front and behind, and he's got his hand on you. And he's holding you, and you're safe in his hand. By the way, you're not only safe, you're secure eternally. Because John 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Here's what Jesus was saying. Nobody can pry my fingers off of you. You're safe. You're in my hand. But not only are you in my hand, but you're in the Father's hand. And with my hand, Jesus said, and with the Father's hand, you're safe. And if that's not enough to give you comfort and help you sleep at night, Ephesians 4 tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. You are safe in Jesus' hand. You're safe in the Father's hand. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And your salvation's not dependent upon you staying saved. It's dependent upon Jesus keeping you saved. And by the way, he can keep you saved. He promised that he would. And you staying safe is not dependent upon your grip. It's dependent upon his grip. Verse number six, David was a pretty amazing man, an amazing king, a wise man, a very uh, a godly man. But he says in verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He, he said, I, I just, I can't even comprehend it. He said to think that God is that aware and God is that able and God has that much authority in my life. He said, I cannot imagine would you hold your place in Psalm 139 and turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55. It's right after the book of Hezekiah, if you're looking for it. No, I'm just kidding. There is no Hezekiah. Thank you for the three that laughed. And for the rest of you, we're going to be here another hour because you didn't laugh. Isaiah 55, but the three of you that did laugh, you can cut out here in five minutes. Verse number, it's amazing. Now some of you are laughing. It's not even funny now, but you're trying to get out early, aren't you? Verse number eight, for my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Brother Dan is teaching in Sunday school about the love of God. And this morning, he put up on the screen, he put up a quote uh, by Daniel Webster. And that quote by Daniel Webster, he, he made, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I cannot comprehend God. He said, if I could understand God, he said, then that would put God on my level. He said, but I need a Savior that is supernatural. And can I tell you, friend, if you could understand God, he wouldn't be much of a God. But David said, I can't comprehend him. Here's why. Because our minds are finite. But God is infinite. There, there's no measuring God. There's, there's no explaining God. There's, there's no way to comprehend how he can be in every place at all times. We, we can't comprehend that. To think that God knows everything and he's never forgotten anything and he's never had to learn anything. He knows the end from the beginning. He is an amazing God. David said, I can't comprehend it. It's hard to even imagine. Notice verse number seven. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence. The word whither literally means to what place or to what state. Where would I go? Now, I'm not saying you would want to escape from God. 
I hope you wouldn't want to escape from God. I hope you're not going to try to run from God. I'll tell you this, that doesn't work well. Ask Jonah how that turns out when you try to run from God. Jonah, know, uh, uh, Jonah found out that God knew exactly where he was, so much so that God had already prepared a great fish to come and swallow him and spit him up on the shore of Nineveh where he needed to be in the first place. God knows you're not going to run from God, but if you were to try to escape God, if you were trying to get away from God, where would you go? Notice verse number eight. Here's a couple options. If I ascend up into heaven... Well, guess who's there? God. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. You say, well, how in the world could God be there? Well, I'll tell you this. He's in control. He has authority over hell. God created hell specifically for the devil and his demons. You're not going to escape God's presence. You're not going to get away from God. If you send up into heaven, you go down into hell, or if, if you want to say, well, this was talking about the grave, well, you're not going to escape God in the grave. He knows. He knows where you are. God holds the keys of life and of death. He has power and authority over it all. His jurisdiction stretches everywhere. It doesn't end at the county line or the state line or the country line. His, his authority goes everywhere. Verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning, and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. There's an idea I could get on a boat and I could travel to the furthest island, the most remote island. Well, guess who'd be there? God. I could just drift on a boat just out in the middle of nowhere and nobody would ever find me. Well, God would find you because he's already there. Verse number 10, and there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall Hold me. Not only would God be there, but God would still be in control. He would still hold you. He would still lead you even there, no matter where you go. Verse number 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. I was telling the children in children's choir, we were talking about uh, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But have you ever been out in a very dark place? Maybe you've been outside and the moon was not shining, the stars were not shining, no street lights, no house lights, no flashlight. It's pretty scary. But guess what? You can't see anything, but God can see you. I was showing our girls, oh, I think it was Lacey and Savannah, I forget. It was right after we, Brother Dan, we got the security cameras installed. And these cameras have the capability that even in the dark, it, it, it can still, I mean, the, the darkness does not matter to the cameras. They can still see, you can still see you. And I was showing the girls, they just couldn't believe it. We stepped in one of the nurseries or whatever, and, you know, it's pitch black in the nursery. And on the, on the, 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 the screen, you can see. Uh, there, there's no escaping God. I mean, we've got technology that can do that. I mean, there's night vision goggles that people have. You think you're going to uh, be in the dark and God's not going to see now, hang on. We haven't gone this direction yet, but I want to say this. I'm so glad that God is there because it's a comfort to know, but it should also be a warning to us to think we're not going to pull anything past God. We're not going to fool God. 
We're not going to, we might be away where mom and dad aren't there and a spouse isn't there or church members aren't there or nobody's around and we might think nobody's going to see. Guess who already knows and who already sees? His name is God. He knows everything. Verse number 11, the darkness cannot hide, hide someone from God. Verse 12, he made the darkness. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Verse number 13, thou hast possessed. Literally, that word possessed means to, to be the owner of, the possessor of my reins. Our reins is literally our, the seat of our emotions, the, the, the intents of our heart. And God is in control. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. He knows our emotions. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. That word covered, it means to protect or to fence in. The idea here is to be hidden like a precious treasure. God knows us and cares about us so much that even before we were born, we were protected by God in the mother's womb. Well, I tell you what, you're not sure what the Bible has to say about abortion. Verse number 13 and 14 ought to help you with that. Even in the mother's womb, God has covered us and God has protected and God knows and God sees. Verse 14, I will praise thee. You see, that's our responsibility. That is our response when we think about God's omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence. When we think about how great God is, there's not much left for us to do than to say, wow, what a mighty God. What a powerful God. How great thou art. He's worthy of our praise. I will praise thee. We should be praising. We should be singing. We should be rejoicing. I talked to Brother Nathan during the week, and we'll talk about these different songs. And we've started on Sunday nights doing a little extra singing with uh, Brother Mike and Brother George on the guitars and uh, Miss Odell and Miss Drew on the uh, organ and uh, the piano players used to Sunday night, Miss Cheryl and Miss Lydia, Miss Phyllis, these other piano players. But I'll tell you, I, I feel like we could sing every song in the hymn book and it not be enough because our songs are sung not to bring glory to man, but our songs are sung to bring praise and glory and honor to God. That's why you shouldn't limit your praise to Sundays only. That's why you shouldn't limit your praise just to church time. Every day, our, our words ought to be words of praise and our life ought to be actions of praise and glory to God. I will praise thee, verse number 14, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully, it doesn't mean that you get scared when you look in the mirror. That's not what that's talking about. That word means reverence or awe. I'm, I'm in awe when I see how God made me. Marvelous are thy works, wonderful, extraordinary are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I'll close with this, and we won't finish tonight. But David was writing, and he just, what he could see, he, he had never seen an ultrasound. He's talking about the baby in the mother's womb, and he'd never seen an ultrasound. For some of you that you haven't seen an ultrasound lately, I want to tell you, it is, it is mind-boggling just the, the change in eight years 
from when our twins were born, Lacey and Savannah, to when Micah was born. I'm telling you, it's like this. It's like you can see the face and you can see the facial features on that baby in the mother's womb. And they show the different chambers of the heart and they show the spinal cord and they show the skull and they show the fingers and the toes. And it is amazing. And God did all that. God made that baby. God made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And it's marvelous. There were no x-rays in David's day. There were no ultrasounds. There was no medical technology. David did not even know a fraction of what we know today about the human body and about the mother's womb and the precious baby in that womb. But here's what David said in verse number 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Here it is. And that my soul knoweth right well. He said, Lord, you are so great and I know it. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. And what a wonderful God. What a wonderful Savior. What an amazing creator that created you and created me. He didn't just create you, but he cares about you. And he's concerned about you. And he knows what you're going through. And he knows where you're going to be this week, and he's already been there. And he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. What a mighty God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.